Hello, welcome to another episode of Audio Blobs. I'm Matt. I'm Danny. And uh, joining us today is a lovely friend, Hugh. Hello, how's it going? Um, so today we're looking at uh, DI boxes, because Hugh's got a, a lovely thing called um, a Ready, which is made by the nice guys over at A Designs. And um, so we thought we'd A-B this with, you know... Uh, Seven hundred pound DI box versus a fifteen pound fifteen quid uh, Behringer one off of Amazon. There you are. You see. So we're going to do a little A A and B, and we'll test you guys, and you can see if you get it right or not. So um, if we go a, a little bit into D, what how what DI boxes do, and then um, and then we can kind of talk about some of the features that maybe makes the ready a bit special, and and what you can look for as you get into the upper echelons of spending a lot of money on DIs. Um, But basically a DI box will take a signal, be that an instrument signal or a line level signal, and it'll do two main things to it, which is it will convert it to the correct level to be plugged into a microphone input on a mixing console Mm -hmm. or for a PA or something like that, Um, and it'll balance it. So those are the main two functions that all DI boxes will do. They'll they'll take they'll allow you basically to take the jack output, which is an unbalanced instrument level signal of your bass. So you ba- the the examples we're going to use is um, uh, bass and, bass and um, some acoustic guitar, both coming straight out of the jack sockets. Yeah. So you out of your jack socket, you get an instrument level unbalanced signal. Yep. Um, which is not you can't send over long runs. It's very low uh, kind of strength in terms yeah. of the signal, and because it's not balanced, you pick up a lot of noise and stuff like that. So as soon as you hit the DI box, it converts it to a, a mic-level signal, which then can be plugged into an XLR, which then can be run over long distances because an XLR is balanced because you've got the three pins and you can reduce all of the noise. So you can essentially run uh, output from a DI box over hundreds of meters without worrying about picking up interference and stuff like that. Um, all DI boxes will do that. Another useful thing that I think all DI boxes will do is ground lifting. So you can you can separate the ground. So if you get a, a ground looper, 50, 60 hertz hum or something like that, put yep. your DI box in the signal chain, flick a little switch on it, and because there's no physical metal connection in the transformer itself within the DI box, you can isolate that ground uh, connection being made and you can eliminate any ground hum. And yeah. that's 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 in essence what a DI box does. Kind of your your its... main connections and and what it does. Yeah, but the A design specifically is a tube driven uh, direct box. So it is an active direct box which needs to be plugged into the wall to run. Um, and it is designed to as an active direct box. It has a preamp. It is designed to be able to color your tone. So what I didn't what I didn't know about the the ready ones is that they're I thought they were like their own designs and things like that, but they're not. They are their own designs, but they're based on ampegs. Right, right. Tubes. So is it the? I, I had to write this down because I'm not a bassist. So it's based on the B15 tube amp from Ampeg. Oh, yeah, okay. Which I didn't is presumably know that. why it kind of has that kind of classic characters and things like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is. Um, I think this has been the thing that's been so handy about having something like this, particularly for shows and particularly for recording, Yeah, is that you can go in and you can get something that's a little bit closer to a kind of an amplified sound, um, you know, just through having something that, well, I don't know if anyone sort of get a chance to look it up, but it's it's not a particularly big thing. It's yeah. actually certainly much easier than carrying like an amp 
around yeah. everywhere you go. Well, it's certainly easier than carrying an Ampeg B15 tube amplifier everywhere, you know. Most things are yeah. easier yeah. than carrying. Yeah. I'd rather carry Hugh around. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm a skinny, skinny guy. So. Um, so, yeah, so it, it's based on that Ampeg one, and then it's got their own kind of their ready, um, uh, it's like their tube-driven custom circuit which i think they're calling their which is their 6nip tube circuit which is going into a custom transformer by the guys from cinemag who i kind of had a bit of a, a look at but they're making some great electrical cinemag cinem- i didn't realize that the ready was a, a yeah. cinemag transformer cinemag are the you know top of uh, they've been top for years cinemags were what were in the 1176s and stuff like oh, that. Oh, wow, okay. those okay. compressors. So those are the Cinemag transformers are, are what you get if you want really high-quality, clean transformers. There you are, then, you see. I didn't know. Learn something new every day. Um, it's got some... Uh, the One of the things that I like about the A-Designs... So if you go and research A-Designs, they do a whole ton of products, but they're all up to a particular standard. They're all of a very, very high quality and a very... Uh, exacting standard even down to the things like i know that they only use the neutric connectors so everything on that is a neutric connector i know you only use neutric connectors yeah, danny yeah. so I, or everything all of the xlrs in here have all got neutric connectors yeah, on the end the, the, why would you buy any others exactly exactly and, and and that makes sense that makes sense why they're using cinemag transformers as well because yep. why would you use other transformers you know you just use the the highest quality stuff cool. it's worth saying about a designs um that the greatest amped guitar cab recording I've ever done was through their Pacifica preamp. Oh, yeah. Which is the most incredible thing. It's just a two-channel preamp, and we just run a 57 through one of the channels and a a Neumann KM184 through the other channel. And one day I will buy one. They're very very expensive. They're about two grand, I think. They're 2,095 US dollars. Yeah, for two two channels. But, you know, it says a lot about the quality of the components that they use in their gear. Well, exactly, yeah. Um, And it's it's the thing that I've kind of found that sort of made a big difference with this. It was, I think they retail for like six or seven hundred pounds or something, but it's just been so worth it to have something that's, it's not particularly complex to use. Yeah, completely. And it just just sort of sounds good out of the box, really. Well, because... so Hugh is my bassist in uh, my you know wedding party function band, and there there was a there was a gig that you and I were on, mm. and the um, the speak on cable from your bass cab just died, yeah. but you had that already plugged in, um, so we just literally just took you straight into the desk, yeah, gave you some back through the wedges, and it was just like oh cool that's just just as nice a sound as yeah. I was getting from. You know, your cab anyway. Yeah. So I think we just take the line out from that anyway, don't we now? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> straight into the, the basements. Um, cool. So, um, Hugh, run us through a couple of the features that are on there, because there's lots of things that are kind of go on there. So run, yeah, sure. run, a through, run through it for us. So, I mean, in terms of kind of controls, it's actually pretty straightforward. You've got an XLR in on the front. Um, you've got a link in case you want to obviously link it through to a cab or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then... On the back, as Danny mentioned, there's a ground lift and there's just a, a dial for how hot you're going to make the signal. Yeah. I mean, as, as we've kind of found on a few gigs, it runs ridiculously hot. Yeah, it's up to, I looked at this as well, it's up to 16 dB on tap. Yeah. So, and that's from, like, that's from zero. So that's not when it's off, it's off. That's I think it's when it's down on zero is when it's uh, just 
as if I plugged your bass straight into the desk without anything else in. Yeah. So you you start at zero, which is the normal volume, and then all and you, you ever do 16 is sixteen dB of gain on yeah. top of that. Yeah, basically. exactly. Nice. Insanely powerful, yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I was going to say, you've got a combi jack on that as well. So that XLR input on the front takes either an XLR in or it takes a yeah. uh, quarter-inch jack. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you can feed it. You can feed it I guess it you can feed you it want. a balanced signal yeah. as yeah. well as an unbalanced signal. Makes because sense. I noticed that there's a couple of guys that run these in stereo as well. Yeah, absolutely. So you were talking about Robert Glasper and things like that. So people who are using Rhodes and Yeah, well, and I mean, Hammonds. That's, that's sort of been the interesting thing about having it. It's It's not... Even though a lot of bass players use it, it's not necessarily a a bass specific yeah. thing. Um, so usually, kind of lower frequency, sort of quite fat sounding things, sound great for it. So obviously, yeah. Rhodes would kind of tick that box yeah. bass. But I've heard of people who will do things like certain registers of male vocals through them. Oh, cool! Sound quite cool. Um, One of the things they mentioned on the on the website is they're like stick a drum machine through it. Oh really? Yeah, just to warm up, kind of like digital VST instruments and oh, okay. like old Casio rubbishy keyboards. They're like, just stick it through already. It sounded much better. To be better. fair, sometimes I will run, um, I will run stuff through my bass head, and take the DI out. So I've got a, a Mark bass little yeah. Mark head, um, and I'll quite often, if I find like a like a low end synth, like a bass synth part or something. When I want it, I don't want to reamp it. I don't want to put it through a room, essentially. I don't want to put it through a speaker. Yeah. But actually just the act of taking it out of Pro Tools, running it into the bass head at an instrument level signal. So actually mm. through a DI, uh, through a reamp box and then taking the DI out of the bass head really adds something. So mm. I guess I've never oh. thought about doing that strictly with a DI box, but that's essentially what it's doing. It's doing the same process going yeah. through a preamp and stuff like that, which is exactly what you're doing if you put it through the ready. Which so is what you're going to cool. do. It's worth pointing out, you're only going to get that through a ready. Through the 15 quid Behringer one, yeah. you're not going to get that because it's not based on amp emulation simulation. Yeah. You're, you know, not, it's, it's you're not, not getting the kind of warmth from the tubes and yeah. all of this stuff. Yeah. Right? yeah, And you're not getting the the Cinemag Transformers in a £15 Behringer. <laughs> so I think... No, you're not. You're really not. It would be great if you were. I'd just be buying them in bulk off of Amazon and cracking them open and taking the Transformers <laughs> yeah. out. Um, so I think what we'll do is we'll get... We're set up so we're running through both of these at the same time. So um, we'll get Hugh to play a little bit of something and at halfway through, we will switch from one DI to the other one from either the ready to the Behringer or the Behringer to the ready and we won't say which one it's going to be and you can have a listen you have a think about maybe which one sounds better which one uh, you prefer and then we'll tell you afterwards and we'll do the same we'll do some acoustic guitar in the minute as well and we'll and we'll do the same with that one yeah yeah sure so do you want to go for it oh cool. Okay, so that was the ready first, yep, and then the Behringer. So let's have thoughts, uh, Hugh. Yeah, so one of the things that I've found with this that I I really would like is there's there's a slightly sort of compressed quality to the sound a little bit. Yeah, um, and this is it's something that I I enjoy quite a lot because when I when I do gigs, I've never really been one for using pedals. Okay, much on gigs um, for no other reason than I've just never 
don't think I've ever seen you use a pedal on a cruise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It, well, I've just never done gigs that have needed it really yeah um so i find so to have a little bit of natural compression yeah, there when you're playing it's a gig nice is really and, handy and on the other side of that i find sometimes actual compression pedals are a little bit too aggressive okay i yeah. sort of feel i lose a bit of dynamic touch with that so it's nice to kind of have a a halfway with that that doesn't yeah for sure. it kind of smooths out the peaks and brings up kind of the the yeah. lows yeah with, without I, actually being compression as yeah, such exactly. i guess that's what the tubes are there for yeah yeah, that's, right, that's, right, exactly. You know, I, you, you get the same with, you know, a valve head. And a, mm. well, funnily enough, an Ampeg B15. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Natural bit of tube compression. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I definitely noticed that. Um, And yeah, I mean, we just had a, a little listen and a, and a bit of a chat. And it's, it's, the, it's the low end where you kind of notice it way more, isn't it? It's yeah. much tighter. And Hugh used the word focused, which yeah. I think is entirely the right word. Yep. I think you put that through some big 18 inch bass bins or something on a on a big gig you're going to really notice that yes, difference yeah. in that uh, in in how kind of refined that low end is compared to the behringer yeah definitely mm. what i found actually i remember when i first found out about this it was on a session that i'd gone to do and a producer had had one which yeah. is how i found out about it and it was amazing um so for anyone listening at home i'm using a sadowski bass which is like a very very active sounding thing yeah and it was so nice to have something that would just kind of smooth out and kind of not exactly yeah. tame the activeness a little bit but yeah it just helped the thing kind of sit in the mix a lot better yeah i hadn't thought about that actually because obviously a passive bass like a p bass or something like that's just gonna or a jazz bass is just gonna i suppose it depends what you want i mean oh, what? I've, yeah i've tried a couple through it um a friend of mine had, has got uh, some really really nice old p basses and well, i mean they sound amazing through anything but yeah um, but it, I think particularly with this bass, it's just been nice to kind of not go sort of like a sort of super, super angular, yeah, midi harsh. Yeah. And it's course. nice to kind of have a bit more. It adds, it adds something from a, from a mix perspective. Right. It just gives you something that's, that's more manageable and sounds more natural. Right. Exactly. Than a DI exactly. bass. Because actually nine times out of 10, the bass you're hearing on records is DI'd. You know, you get a decent DI bass sound and you just, you manipulate that and you compress that and you EQ that and that's what ends up on the record. So to actually have something that's got a bit of that kind of character and that warmth and it's kind of got that natural uh, amp sound in it, but it's still just a DI bass, which is nice and simple and you've got the simplicity of just taking that to a gig or to a session and right. and plugging straight into the desk and off you go, Yeah, I think is super handy. I guess the other thing as well is you know how it's going to sound. Mm. So that ready... And that bass and you is, no matter what comes out of that, it's always going to sound pretty much the same. It's like having your own little amp and setup right. and, and EQ. You know, you know, if the desk is flat, you know what's going to come back at you pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Well, this has been the interesting thing. I mean, a lot of the times um, when I've used it on I don't know, recordings or shows or something, mm. you can say to the sound engineer, oh, just, just leave everything flat. Yeah. And it works fine. And yeah. you, it's almost a little bit like, I think, with... I know some drummers who quite like using electric kits because they get the consistency of the sound. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a slightly similar thing to that. Yeah, in of that course. you don't really have to worry about the room so much. And I think yeah. So whenever whenever you're on on our gigs, that I don't even touch it. Right. I think I've got the digital desk is just set up with Hugh, and I think it's actually just a completely empty channel strip, which I just plug you into <laughs> nice. and turn the mute off. <laughs> it's just well, you, you can even, I imagine with the amount of extra gain you can get out of that, mm. you can probably even send a sound engineer so much, they don't even have to touch the gain knob 
yeah. on their on their mic preamp before it's when it's first hitting the desk. So actually, you're even bypassing that. Yeah, you're yeah. you're you're avoiding because the more the more you ramp the gain up on a mic pre, the more of the character of the mic pre you're going to get. You just leave your gain at zero basically. So yeah. you've got such a level of control, you just hand them essentially hand them an XLR and go there. Plug right, exactly. It, plug it and, in, and you've got so much power. I mean, I think even now we've got it on like one or something. <laughs> um, so yeah, you do get a lot of, I guess it kind of buys you a lot of freedom yeah. in that respect. No, it's yeah, great. For sure. Should we try some acoustic guitar through it? Yeah, can we'll do, do, the, do it. We'll do the same deal. We'll, we'll play the two Definitely back to back and we can figure out which one's which. Yeah, Let's for sure. So, which one was that first? That's the ready first. That again, was the ready it? first, yes. So, again, I think. With acoustic, or with guitar, I should say, it's, um, as like you were saying about the lows, it really uh, focuses them. It really tightens them up. Um, and the, the Behringer, of the 15 quid one, oh, do you know what? It sounds great for 15 it quid. It does not sound bad. Yeah. Uh, but it sounds, you know, Danny, you said it sounds flat. It does. Yeah. It doesn't sound like there's any kind of dynamic interest in it like for want of a better phrase i think playing through that when you've got it coming through the headphones when i i knew exactly when you were on the ready and when you weren't because the ready just feels so much more uh, it feels bouncy to play with right it sounds like how i would it it, it sounds like my acoustic if i play my acoustic harder i get more if i play my acoustic less i get less right and I, i think as well it it sort of felt like there was a lot more presence in the sound, like a lot more body to it. Yeah, hugely. Because um, I noticed that as soon as we switched over to the Behringer, on one of them, we all kind of looked at each other a bit like, oh, hang yeah. on, yeah. this is... Yeah, the, na- yeah now I get it. weird, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think they're, they're very... There's a lot of very subtle differences. You have to sit and... I think if you played me something through the Ready and then the next day played me something through the Behringer... I probably wouldn't be able to tell you objectively which one sounded better. But flicking back and forth between the two of them, yeah. you actually start to go, okay, now I can I can hear, you know, the, the low end's a lot more focused on the yeah. ready. It sounds a lot more kind of alive and a lot more natural and it's got kind of breathing room around it. Mm. Whereas the, um, the Behringer just sounds a little bit kind of squashed and a little bit lifeless. And I think it's all those little kind of things that make it feel lifeless. It's all those little changes, like a slightly less focused low end and it kind of feels like it's kind of a bit fizzly in the top end listen to me using words to describe sound <laughs> um, but i think like you add those it's you a add podcast. those things it's fine this is, this is what you do that's <laughs> what you do um you add those things together and i think you've got one that does objectively sound nicer yeah and, a doubt. you know the ready is an active thing as well so of course it's going to give you more yeah because it has power you know the, the behringer one is a is a passive 
you know, takes whatever it's given and gives you another form of that, but allows you to transport that signal much further. Yeah. Is basically the Behringers. The reason I own the Behringers and I've got a few of them is is because they're fifteen quid. And they're on Amazon. And so I can have a handful in a box and I use them exclusively as backups. So I've got them there if I need them, if I'm doing live sound or if I'm on a gig or something. They're tiny, they're super lightweight. Mm -hmm. And I also have them plugged in if I'm recording a bass player or something through an amp. I'll just put one in the beginning of the signal chain. So I've got a dry copy of that bass yeah. signal so that if we choose if we go oh man I really wish we'd gone and done this or we'd put it through that amp or something I can go back and reamp it later yeah. they're really useful for that um, what I would not do is I would not have one as my primary go to and I don't I've got you know radial uh, active and passive radial ones and I was going to say so if you're you know let's let's not beat around the bush the ready is an expensive DI box yes that is what it is it's a lovely DI box but it is expensive so if you don't want to spend, you know, your rent this month on a <laughs> DI box, but also you want something that's kind of in the middle, is there anything that covers that base? I don't really know. The radial stuff is really good. I mean, we're the using radial, a, one of the radial right. big shots to do the AB thing today. And yeah. The radial stuff is amazing. The radial stuff's great. I've got um, the, the, the JDI, which is their passive one, and the J48, which is their active one. Okay. And they're they're really good, solid bits of kit, and they'll set you back, I want to say, about about 180 quid. Oh, oh really? Wow. Yeah, That's not bad the radial stuff is not bad. Hang on, let's 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 look it up. Make that fact real quick. Yeah, just have a look at have a look at the J48 because that's a active DI box. It's in that ballpark, isn't it? So the radial J48 on GAC or Gear for Music or DV247 or in Anderton is 229 quid. <laughs> okay, so 230 quid and the ready's what, 600? $749. Yeah, so that'll be... So about 620 uh, quid. About 600 quid yeah. by the time you've brought it over here, yeah. Yeah, so so the, the, the radial stuff is is really solid and really well-priced for what it is if you don't want to chuck 600 quid on a DI box, which yeah. I could understand people not wanting to do. Yeah, and I, I think the other thing that's kind of... I don't know if like both of you have this, but as soon as you sort of spend decent money on something that's kind of costly, but you just don't want to take it anywhere for sort of fear of breaking it. <laughs> yeah. 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 The other, the flip side of that is Danny's favourite saying, which my mum taught him, which is, buy cheap, buy twice. Yep. Yeah, no, it's very so, it's very true. You know, uh, the acoustic guitar that I <clears throat> that I'm playing today is what I have now, but I tried it out 4 years ago and bought something else because the other thing was slightly cheaper and right. regretted not buying this yeah. and have mm. regretted it for 3 years and went, "Oh god, I'm just going to go and buy it now." Yeah. At which point, of course, this guitar which I could have had for 4 years has now cost me the price of this guitar. Plus the cost of a, mart- a tailor as well. Right, yeah. right. You know. Um, I, I think it's one of those things, though, it just depends what you're kind of doing. So if you've got yeah. um, like a, a permanent studio set up and you don't have to take a lot of things out, or yeah. if you, like, I mean, I use this quite a lot of the time when I'm doing um, like theatre shows, so I'm in a pit yeah. for sort of six well, because so this is week. your next year, isn't it? Well, it's yeah. going to be in a pit. So yeah, uh, exactly. Hugh's going on the bat out of Hell Tour. He's got the um, the base seat for that. Y- you'll probably take one of your cabs, I would think, so you've got a little bit of, yeah, I mean, you know, and a head as just almost as a backup. Yeah, I, I think it'll be a, an interesting one to sort of see what sound they want because they might yeah. want 
I mean, I guess a, a cab sound is a bit more rock and roll than a DI. So yeah, well, you're moving some air as well. Yeah, then. exactly. But I, I think at the same the same sort of stretch, what I've I found has been quite good recording quite a few times is to actually blend a few different sounds together. So I might use something like the Ready just to kind of get the focus on the low end. Yeah. yeah. And then... And mix a little bit of an amp Yeah, exactly. So you can get the, the punch and the aggression. Yeah. yeah. And so it's... Even if it's not prominently what you're hearing, it, it's ideal for that. And also it's, you know, it's perfect because you, you're in the same place every day. Everything's kind of set up there. Sure. Whereas if you're, I don't know, constantly trekking through to a load of different places, yeah, you know, I wouldn't want to back of a van or something like that or yeah. have it get crushed in a truck or something yeah exactly <laughs> that said though i mean it's built like a tank you know it's i wouldn't he would probably hate me for it but i wouldn't be worried about driving over that with my car whereas that <laughs> that behringer would be crushed the second i drove over it with my car i mean the the ready is big and it is heavy and it you yeah. know it, this comes back to what we were saying about the buy cheap buy twice thing it's industrial it, it's, it's an industrial yes. no, yeah. it is built to last yeah. it really is so so going back to the thing of being in the same place all the time though mm. so you've got it's the it's the single channel ready it's their kind yeah. of it was their it was their first one it was their kind of first venture into it really it was their kind of like yeah, I, their I, flagship kind I'm, of DI I don't box. know if it was a design's very first thing or not um but it was it was certainly a kind of a big thing when it came about kind of put them yeah. on the map a bit. Yeah. Mm. yeah so if i was danny i wouldn't have that one right i'd have their v2 which is oh is that the the double channel that's is, the two channel it's rack the mount. two yeah. channel rack yeah. mount. so it's dual mono inputs but it's a rack mount so if you're you know if you like what you're hearing and you're thinking okay what is the ready um they do this V2 version, and it's a rack-mounted one. You can stick it alongside everything else that you've got going on. Oh, there it is. So, um, image of that just pops up on screen. Yeah, it yeah. is more money, but twelve hundred dollars. But it's 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 basically two readies put together. Yeah. But it's not double the price, which obviously is a good thing. I personally would buy it. I mean, a, a couple times when I've done some shows where I've had maybe. The whole set's been electric, but a couple of tunes have been on upright or something like that. Yeah, it, you do miss kind of having the consistency of sound when you switch between the yeah. two. Yeah, if you haven't got two of the same thing, and I think you know, front of house guys will thank you greatly for kind of not having such a massive discrepancy in your level. Yes, and things like true. that. Yeah, uh, you can find the. We just got a picture of the 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 V two up, um, and you can find all of their stuff on adesignsaudio.com. Um, and I think that kind of rounds up our done. DI kind of shootout type deal. It is, yeah, absolutely. Um, nice things. Lovely to have you on the on the show, Mister. Been a Hugh. pleasure. Been absolutely a pleasure. Absolutely lovely. Uh, so that's it from another episode of Audio Blobs. Please come and find us on Instagram, which is at Audio Blobs. Uh, Twitter is at Audio Blobscast, and Facebook is forward slash Audio Blobs. Um, you can come and find us there. You'll also find the studio, which is at Sankofa Rec. And Hugh, where will people find you? You could find me. Um, my main website is like an online teaching website, which mm-hmm. is onlinebassguitar.com. And you could also find me on Instagram, which is at Hugh Richardson, H-U-G-H Richardson, or at online underscore bass underscore guitar. Cool. Awesome. Excellent. And also, if you like what we do, if you're enjoying listening to us, um, we want to know how to tailor our content more for you. We want to know what you want to hear. 
just come and get in touch. Leave us a review on iTunes or email us at um, audioblobs at gmail.com. Correct, yeah. And let us know what you want us to talk about. We want to try and make sure this can be as applicable to everybody as possible. So if you want us to go super nerdy, we can go super nerdy, or we can keep it really simple and just do gear reviews on the stuff that you want us to talk about. So get in touch. We want to know what you want us to do rather than us pick all the bits and pieces for you. So uh, that's it from another another episode. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.